didn't top their group, Croatia, thanks to Luka Modric and co. Also make it through the round of 16, as well as the Czech Republic. It's bye-bye to Scotland. Plus, we look ahead to Wednesday as a final day of the group stage. France against Portugal. Germany against Hungary. Are Spain going to get out of their group? So much to talk about. We have James Bench here. Que golazo begins right now. Hey everybody, welcome to Kigo Lasso on this Tuesday Euro 2020 action. And with me, James Benj. James Benj, how are you, my friend? I'm very good, thanks. It was quite a fun, enjoyably quiet day today. I, I actually enjoyed not having that many games more than I thought I would. Yeah, no, it's pretty good, right? We More things to do, errands and, you know, annoy politicians and stuff. Yep. No, absolutely. Well, James Bench, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome to Kigo Lasso. Let's discuss, uh, first of all, Euro 2020 Tuesday's action, and we'll have some Wednesday action as well, because it's a big one. But we begin with Tuesday. Group D, England, and as winners of Group D with a one nothing win over the Czech Republic and Croatia took care of business against Scotland, a Luka Modric absolute beauty. 3-1 there, meaning that England already made it to the round of 16 before the game, as well as the Czech Republic, but it was just about seeding. So England topped the group. Croatia actually ends second, and Czech Republic in the third place, one of the top third place spots. James, man, your reaction straight away from the England uh, game. Uh, it wasn't vintage, but actually... I think compared maybe to the Scotland game, I thought there was there were there were real signs of encouragement. I know you're going to want to talk to talk about one of the players, so I'm just going to not mention him, and I'll let you. We could talk about the other player. He was great. We certainly could. I thought Bakayo Saka really seized his opportunity, and I think it's fair to say, you know, there were a lot of doubters, myself included, and look, you know, I I bow to no one in my admiration of Saka, but getting the start over Jaden Sancho and Marcus Rashford was a real show of faith, and I think this was a reminder. I mean, you know, whatever Sancho, Rashford, or even Foden, who was only really rested because he was on a yellow, whatever they could have done doesn't take anything away from what Saka did. This was a, a performance of real composure, exceptional decision-making. I think the one thing that, that stood out at Arsenal and, and stands, stands out tonight is that when you give Saka the ball, he makes the right decision. But it's not, you know, it's, he's not doing that in a conservative way. And that was typified with the goal, picking the ball up, driving straight at Thomas Suchek and beating him, running smartly, nice interplay with Phillips. And then the ball comes eventually to Jack Grealish, who, who puts it on a sixpence right in the right area. Sterling scores. It was that, that side of it was really good. I think there is still, there's still cause for growing concern. I would say around Harry Kane, he was kind of a bit more willing to, to place himself around the box and the check. His best game. Defensive. You think James, his best game of the year tournament for sure. Though, right. Yeah. But I mean, not that's saying, very, you know, yeah, that that's not not saying a huge amount. But yeah, I think one of the things I really like that we should maybe point out, specifically with having Grealish in the team at the ten, real willingness from him to drift into that left area that we know he plays in at Villa. And actually, I mean, I say he was at the ten, but it was kind of hard to know whether it was him or Sterling. Oh, weird, yeah. played so nicely, and Sterling was moving on to be the striker. And then you know, if Kane did drop deep which he did a bit less frequently. That meant you always had that central attacking presence right in the uh, the penalty area. So good stuff. And you've got Phil Foden and, and maybe Mason Mount. Well, probably not Mount and Chilwell, but you've got players to come back in. So oh, I was all right. 
Yeah, I think a uh, good first 45 minutes, a little dreary in the second. It was a typical like Southgate a thing to do to just protect the one nothing. What'd you say? I said it felt like a friendly. Yeah, yeah it did. Um, it did. It really did. I mean, Czech Republic knew they were through it anyway, and England as well. So maybe the mentality there was there that nobody was really... Uh, I think the major objective was not to get anybody hurt. Maybe, I don't know. But it was definitely a different 45. Um, Bukayo Saka, my man of the match. He was ridiculous. 19 years old. Uh, Decision-making, fantastic. It was his initial run entering the final third that created everything for the Grealish assist and then Raheem Sterling to put it uh, at the back of the net. I thought it was great. Uh, Harry Maguire showed why he's important, right? Uh, yeah. Harry Juan Roman Riquelme Maguire, that ball uh, early on. Woo, that was a beauty, huh? He, yeah, I think he defended as well as Mings, which is encouraging because Mings has played really well. But that ball, that eye for a pass, we all kind of enjoy uh, seeing Maguire struggle because he's an 80 million pound defender who is not his best defending. But um, like he, this guy has got a real eye for a pass. Yeah. Only other thing, I'm just looking at the scenarios here and it did seem like the Czechs were kind of quite willing to settle for, um, for third place. One thing to note is they will probably, if I'm looking at this right, the most likely scenario for them is they end up playing the Dutch. I think they might have thought to themselves, look, if we finish third, we, I mean, you know, we could beat the Netherlands. So it's one thing to keep an eye out for because, um, you know, second place in this group could get you Spain. First place could get you Germany. So maybe the Czech Republic are going to come out of this happier than anyone. Yeah, no, it's a good point. It's such a tricky thing on who makes it to the round of 16. But I think, honestly, especially with England, it doesn't matter. You just, the most important thing is get victories, build the confidence, because, you know, England could beat anybody maybe on their day and could lose to anybody on their day. So it really doesn't uh, specifically matter. Um, I thought I thought that Jaden Sancho should have probably gone some more minutes, perhaps ahead of Jude Bellingham when he came on to replace Jack Grealish. Yeah, I know you're going to hear me say this. I mean, I'm fine if you take him off, but on the 68th minute, James Bench, come on. Well, but then you've got, I mean, I, I thought Grealish was excellent. So you have to preserve him for, for tougher tasks ahead. Fair point. You know, I want to see Sancho, but then, you know, I mean, I've been banging the drum since before the tournament. I think foolishly I predicted he might be one of the stars of this tournament and we haven't even seen him play yet. Uh, but on Sancho, I mean, look, it's it's not the end of the world, is it? You know, I mean, it, it, it kind of reminds you of how, you know, Eric Cantona was hardly ever playing for France, but it was like, yeah, well, we've got Ginola, Zidane, Henri, everyone. Yeah, he also pissed off France as well. Jaden Sancho has been nothing but nice. <laughs> and I wouldn't, yeah, exactly. I wouldn't want people to think this. But, you know, it's that, you know, I couldn't think of another example, but it's just that glut of riches, you know. Yeah, and you know what, Gareth Southgate, Gareth Southgate has justification. Look, we won. Uh, and we haven't lost. We haven't conceded a goal. Like, what do you want from us? You know, so there is that argument, right? The five results uh, from in the last five. One nothing, one nothing, one nothing, nil, nil, one nothing. Grind this, I, I, and that—that that is how you win tournament football. I think they are—they still remain, you know, for me in the upper echelon of contenders for this competition because they aren't going—they aren't making stupid errors in defence. They don't look like they can be got at on that side, and in a, you know, you would still trust them to score once. And I think if they'd needed more against the Czech Republic, they would probably have gone and got them. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, England uh, get the job done atop the group and they will play next week on Tuesday. And they'll face the runner-up of 
group F, the group of death. And we'll find that out uh, in this episode, a little bit of a preview as they play on Wednesday, the final day of uh, the group stage. Uh, Scotland, so long. Uh, farewell. Of Zain, adieu. Sorry. Uh, thank you for showing up. It was tough. It was always going to be tough. Luka Modric, James Minch, that goal was ridiculous. I'm, I'm drooling just thinking about it. I mean, yes, if you're a Scottish fan, you may have witnessed your side eliminated from maybe the only tournament you'll see them in in your lifetime. Certainly the only tournament that they'll partly host. But hey, at least you got to see the two best goals of the tournament. So, you know, every really depressing cloud has the faintest silver lining. Modric was phenomenal. Every time I sort of, you know, obviously flicking between the two games, um, with my every time you looked down was Modric on the ball. Um, yeah. I think maybe S- Scotland just didn't have the the dynamism and the energy in midfield to to keep up with him. I think you could tell they put quite a lot into that England game, and you know they missed their own Modric in in Billy Gilmore. I think that was a real loss that that let Croatia just have these long spells of possession that Scotland couldn't match when they were on the ball. And this could be the spark that Croatia needed, uh, you know, uh, just to build them confidence. And as you mentioned, they'll be facing, you know, they're not facing a Group F opponent. I know we keep going on about Group F, but there is a difference, I think, between mm. facing a France and a Poland. And, you know, that that will be important for Croatia moving forward, do you think? Uh, well, it might be Spain, you know, which I just think... Which, at this moment, I'm not that... Okay. Good, good God, it would be a boring game of football, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, jeez. God. Absolutely. I know we're all supposed to sort of step back on occasions and really admire their ability to keep possession. But if Croatia play Spain, it would be so, oh, it'd be so passive. And Yeah. James, uh, it's like if you go to like a, a gallery, an art gallery, and you see like an artist do paints and stuff. Okay, wow, for like 10 seconds. And then it's really boring. Like you want something to, it's beautiful to watch what they're doing. But, but you, you really need... want to watch Fast and the Furious now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All of them in one go. Absolutely. But anyway, that's uh, the result. But we're going to talk about uh, Spain's group in, in a second. Czech Republic, can they can they do things here? I mean, you mentioned that they're probably the happier. Maybe. What do you think? Yeah, they're. Um, I think they're just going to be a really tough out. Having said that, you know, it, the defense and the press reminded me a lot of Sparta Prague's where there are occasions where it really hits you with intensity, but if you can, you know, carry on, hold out through them and it will, you know, they'll probably be facing probably it's either Sweden or um, the Netherlands. I feel like the Netherlands are the sort of team that can just hold. Oh, they're perfect for that press. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're perfect for that press. Memphis Depay will eat that up all day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Having said that, you know, they, they, they look like a team that could test England from set pieces and England are a good Set piece attack and defense. So that that will be their way through. Um, you know, we everyone here on Kegalasa, we've still got our doubts about the Dutch, no matter how much they might be making us look foolish. We're gonna have to stick to this until they yeah. are lifting the Henri Delorme. <laughs> and then when they lose in the final in extra we time, right all along. we, we said you we you. told you so. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all right, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna preview Wednesday because it's big. It is very big. All right, so stay right here. Kego Lasso, James Bench here with us. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, everybody, to Kego Lasso. James Bench here with me. We are now talking the last day of the group stages in Euro 2020, and we got some good games. We got a big, uh, let's begin with Group F, uh, Jane Spence. Germany against Hungary and Portugal against France. 3 p.m. Eastern, simultaneous matches, of course. Oh, man, Portugal, France, what do you got for me? What do you think? I'm I'm super intrigued by this one. It, it doesn't, it feels like, you know, a, a game that, could be really difficult for France. We've seen them against, you know, against Germany when there was a little bit more openness, when Germany were willing to keep the ball and build possession. That suited France to a T. And I mean, I know they only had one shot on target, but there were so many counterattacks that that nearly burst into life. But give them a team like Hungary and frankly, give them a team like Portugal where, they're just, where these teams are just going to say, break us down, show us what you've got. That will suit them to a T yeah. equally. You know, we saw this, this chasm in the Portuguese side that it wasn't just that no one dealt with it. Or it wasn't just that it was, you know, it was there. It was that no one was dealing with it at all across the team. You know, that Nelson Semedo spot uh, in the Germany game, it wasn't just Semedo's a bad defender. It was that people around him seemed to know he was a bad defender and no one, no one did anything to exploit that. I'd be interested to see whether France maybe go a bit more attacking at left back, bring in someone like Luca Dean to support Mbappe um, and say, let's really test this this weak spot in the Portuguese team you know is Bernardo Silva going to track back are the defensive midfielders actually going to shuttle out wide rather than just packing the middle and leaving the the, the flanks open that that to me seems like a really uh, an area that Portugal have to fix otherwise you know it's not just that they could lose but they only need to lose this 2-0 for things to get a little bit dicey I believe I mean you know they've got a lot of goals scored in the bank so uh, it's complicated. I think actually they do probably need to lose. Now I say that by a three goal margin. Yeah. I'm wrong because they've scored more goals than Ukraine and, and Ukraine, obviously Finland are pretty much out of this. So, I mean, Portugal can probably get away with a bit of a paddling, but that's not exactly a great way to, to build towards the, uh, to build towards the knockout rounds. Is it? Yeah. That's kind of what I think will happen. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is a game. This one, this game, James, I think is going to show who both teams really are. Like, what are they about? Like, are they, France to me remain obviously a favorite, but, you know, that draw against Hungary really showed something there. I don't know if they were overwhelmed by the support of Budapest, maybe. Maybe that that had something to do with it. They're playing once again in that stadium against Portugal. But then again, it's France, like the World Cup champions. Like, would you really be? And then Portugal, you know, they uh, Germany obviously came in with a purpose and they were also at home. But uh, I wonder what, um, you know, Portuguese Portugal side and Cristiano Ronaldo and co thought of their own performance. I mean, Germany were very good, but I'm thinking there's a few things here. First of all, 
like, how do you solve the Cristiano Ronaldo problem if you're a France perspective? Because he, he's clearly on a, on a mission now in this one. He was... How to, how, to, how to criticize a person that you know scores as goals is the record scorer at this competition. But I do I do feel like there are occasions where he just kind of goes missing until that last act. And that last act is the most important thing in football. Mm. And you, know, you can't criticize a man for just scoring goals. Having said that, you know, how will he test um who are we talking here? My mind has gone completely, but how will he test the French centre backs whose names yeah, Varane Kimpembe, yeah. Varane and Kimpembe, you know, they, they've got a lot of the attributes to deal with a player like Ronaldo. I think a lot of it, you know, get the service to him and we know he'll take those chances, but I, he's never scored against France. James Bench. Yeah. And I think part of that, you know, it was almost the same against Germany. I know he did get the goal, but he just didn't really contribute much else. And I think, you know, you do sometimes need a whole 11 to beat these teams. And is, is getting Ronaldo in this team, getting the best out of players around him. Bruno Fernandes has been, kind of pretty much a non-entity at this tournament so far. I would be tempted to to drop him or to drop one of the holding midfielders. I mean, probably because it's France to drop Fernandez and get someone like Renato Sanchez in because there is there is a front four and there is a back six in this, or a back seven in this Portugal team. And that suits no one right now. Yeah. Um, if, if there's that length, then clearly you're going to get more from Ronaldo because you're going to kind of, everything's going to be a bit more fluid and, and involved. Um. Yeah, I obviously I predicted Portugal would win. I was really high on them at this tournament, but the you know both performances have been really underwhelming. You know, it, a three 0 win looks great on paper, but you couldn't really have complained if you were Portugal if Hungary had drawn that game because they held you out for eighty odd minutes, eighty four minutes, and then it was a a deflected cross and a deflected goal. There's a lot more for Portugal to prove from my perspective. I think with France this specific team has the benefit of the doubt that they've won the World Cup. And we all say Portugal are the holders, but it wasn't this, a lot of it was not this Portugal team. Yeah. You know, there are a holdovers, but it's a really different team aside from Ronaldo. So I, I need to see a lot more from them. Yeah. Renato Sanchez needs to start for me. He's very important for Portugal, I think, uh, to the point that you mentioned. By the way, the last four matches between Portugal and France have only produced three goals. Uh, two for France, one for Portugal. So I don't expect a golf fest here. Um, to your point about France not needing anything to prove, I think that they're just going to make sure that they're, you know, they're, they're injured. Well, Osmale Dembele, of course, is a, is a problem, but, you know, the, the depth of their squad, and, and I think they're going to come into this one just trying to be smart. Portugal, I think, won't have a point to prove because of what happened in the previous game. France are unbeaten in each of their last 11 group state games at major international tournaments. Portugal have won only one of their last 13 games against France. So, you know, what do you give me a score prediction? What do you think? Uh, there's one more thing I want to say before I get this. Yeah, go for it. It's a podcast, my friend. Keep going. Yeah, exactly. Um, Benzema. Yeah, Kareem Benzema. What's going on? What do you think? What, what have you made of him so far? Well, it's not it, is it? It's not what it's not what we expected. It is just fully his fault. It's not his fault. And it's. I suppose it is in the, it's that thing of start, you know, when you congregate so many stars together in this one area, somebody's got to lose out. Yeah. Someone has to, exactly. It's a, you know, you can't run an everybody eats euros offense that you've not built for, you know, years beforehand. Yeah. I do wonder if there is an argument to bring that actually, you know, 
lessening your efficacy at striker by bringing in Olivier Giroud just makes you a little bit more rounded. It just means there is someone there who knows that they don't really, they're not really there to score. They're there to facilitate. And actually, by the way, they score loads anyway, if you're Olivier yeah. Giroud. But I mean, you know, not, not yet. I'm not yet at the stage where I'm saying you need to drop one of the best centre forwards in the world for Chelsea's second choice, maybe third choice strike. I'm not quite there. But like, I'm, I'm moving towards there. I've looked at properties there. I'm intrigued by the market there. <laughs> and You're bookmarking it? Oh, yeah. Apparently the people there look lovely. They're very <laughs> handsome people there. Um, and apparently there's a go-kart track. Oh, well, that says everything. <laughs> uh, but I think that France will win this uh, 1-0. I don't think it will be, as you say, based on those past stats, based on these teams, they're both teams that are like very defensive for the talents, the talents they have there. So yeah, yeah France to grind out the one nil on top of the group. Okay. Well, so let's say that happens. And then Germany, uh, you would imagine that uh, they're going to build off of what happened in the previous game and, and, and see off a hungry team, which is probably an anomaly of what happened before, you know, getting that point against France. What do you think? Uh, I think Germany will find it really hard. They still, I they still lack that sort of central creative punch, but you could feel it developing almost minute by minute. Kind of, if you, I suspect if you went to watch early, you know, the early knockings of that, of that France game and looked at specifically Havertz, Nabri, Muller, and then go and compare it with what we got, you know, in the second half against Portugal, it would look like a different team. I think those three are starting to click. Havertz is, I'd still like one of them to kind of take more responsibilities at 10. I still feel like when it's Nabry through the middle and Havertz left, that doesn't work, but you could see them moving towards more of a like fluid system where Havertz was, was doing what he does for Chelsea. Yeah. Um, again, I don't want to get carried away though with Germany because in the end, what they did was just score the same goal four times against Portugal. <laughs> it's just like, Oh, look, um, no one's marking Robin Gerson's, should yeah, given- which was very smart from uh, Yogi Lowe, I thought, you know, to use him the, the Atalanta way as opposed to, you know, any other way. Yeah. It's kind of curious that basically they've, they've pretty much built a whole system that you would kind of argue only really suits Gerson's and maybe the three centre-backs. I mean, I st- you still think, God, put Kimmich in that central midfield role. He, yeah, it's he so would be- weird to see him in that. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. But it worked. It worked against Portugal, and we just have to see what happens against Hungary, by the way. Okay, so let's just give everybody a recap of Group F for a second. France lead the group with four points, Germany three, Portugal three, and then Hungary with one. If you said Portugal were going to lose this one, nothing, right? So that that Mm. gets France uh, seven points. Portugal and Germany would still, even if, well, no, you would imagine a Germany win, right? What what do you say? Yeah, I'd say 2-0. Okay, so that puts Germany in second, runner-up meaning Portugal, be done. They right? would go through. Or would they go through because they have that win? They go through because... And nobody yeah, else has four points, right? So they'd be on three. Yeah. And But their goal difference is superior to Ukraine. And so Ukraine are on minus one. Finland are on, Finland are on minus two and are gone, uh, I believe, after tonight's results. So, so don't lose by... A big amount, basically. Three or four. They really, yeah. If they lose by three, then Portugal are out. 
Okay, so it shouldn't happen. And Portugal have never not made it out of the group stage. They've always come out of the group stage in the European Championship. So you would think that they would do it. But, you know, third place, Group F. But I guess they're Portugal. They don't care. They'll face anybody as long as they get through, right? Well, it's quite... So third place, Group F. If it's third place, Group F, I'm looking... This at the, This is the Wikipedia page. Is that Belgium? Served me wrong. It would be either Belgium or the Netherlands dependent on. Okay. So that's, 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 uh, that's tough. (laughs) Probably. I think it would be the Netherlands uh, because it looks like Ukraine are going to be the ones to drop out. So yeah, the likeliest scenario I think is we get the third place teams from A, D, E and F. Yeah. I know this is not exactly ideally suited to a podcast, but that means that the third place team from group E would face Belgium the third pl- third place group team from Group F, which we think is going to be Portugal, would face Netherlands. the Dutch. Yeah. Third place team from Group D, which we know will be the Czechs, will face the winners of Group E, which we're going to come on to, I guess. And yep. then Switzerland would play the winners of Group F, which we think will be France. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that round of sixteen is magical. I think it has some good games all over the place. I like it. Well, let's go to Group E for a second. Sweden leading with four points. Slovakia three. Spain with two points, two draws, Poland with one point. All right, Slovakia against Spain, Sweden against Poland in the final day, the third match day. What do you see here then? Oh, it's giving me a headache already looking at this group. I know, Um, the worst. it, It is very complex and there are a lot of sort of competing interests here. One thing I find fascinating is do Slovakia attack at all? Because a, a point, absolutely, hundred percent, they are through with a point. Uh, what you know, wherever wherever they end up finishing, and it, we have got quite a lot of evidence based on the past two games that you probably can just defend against Spain, and you may well get a point. And a point leaves Spain right, you know, leaves Spain dependent on us on a favour from from Sweden to take them through. So it's I I think I'm going to have eyes on that Slovakia Spain game. Slovakia are hard to score against. Um, I know they that Poland did so, um, and Sweden as well. But you know none of them were easy goals. Dubravka um, and Skriniar at the back uh, are two top quality defensive options. So and I look at the stats to prove your point. Like Slovakia were actually, you know, they had more possession. They, they were almost equal on shots against Sweden. You know, they're, they're not, they're not, they're not just going to shy away in this one. It's not going to be that easy for Spain. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to kind of tell. I I did this with, with the power rankings where I was sort of, I wrote about Denmark and it was all like, you have to respect the underlying numbers. They've had 42 shots and joy of joy for once in my career, I was proven correct. Don't, don't I'm not intending to get used to that but then with Spain you see those same underlying numbers but you just go no I'm not having it I just don't I don't believe in Alvaro Morata and that 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 feels really unreasonable but I just don't trust him in front of goal um I, I like Gerard Moreno but not for this Spain team because he's a uh, someone that likes playing on the shoulder of the last man and um if Spain see that sort of opportunity they'll just pass the ball sideways yeah, listen, Spain, man. I mean, I've talked about it a lot. I agree with you 100%. They're not the difference. The reason why you can back Denmark more than Spain is because Denmark go for it. And they actually have way more versatility up front. I went on and on about it on Twitter, and I don't care. I'll say it again. The fact that 
Luis Enrique didn't pick Yago Aspas is beyond me mm. because, you know, the numbers speak for themselves. Uh, he was tremendous last season. And not only that, he is not a Morata type of number nine. And he's not a Moreno type of number nine. He's actually super creative as well. Uh, a lot of assists last season in La Liga. And uh, at the same time, he would have been so much up. Now, it's not just on Iago Aspas, but to your point about not trusting Morata and Moreno specifically for this system, I mean, it just shows. They just, they, they, they don't want to enter the box. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> I, got, I, I don't know what to say about Spain. They're just so weird. Well, he's got nothing else. He's got nothing else to try. I'm just looking at the, you know, the, the squad here and the numbers. So you've got Morata and then you've got uh, Moreno and that is it. You know, there is no other center forward. It then just becomes, you know, what minutes can we steal out of Ferran Torres or, or Yathabal? I Which is so little... stubborn. It's such a stubborn thing to do. I feel like, you know, it's just weird. It's just weird. I just don't get it. We've like, not seen Adama for a minute. Yeah, exactly. Because at least he gives you something totally different, direct on the wing, etc. He'll give you crosses, which you know Morata or Moreno could go to the end. But just uh, listen, I know people. You're gonna really hate me. Listen, Yago Aspas, 103 goals since 2015, the most by a Spanish striker in the Liga, second only to Moreno in the last two seasons. Last season, career high 13 assists, most by anybody. The only Spanish forward last season with double digits in goals and assists. It's unbelievable to me that this man is not here because he gives you something totally different to Moreno and uh, Morata. Especially if you are quite literally making the decision, no, we will, we will take no one instead of taking this guy, you know? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, having said all that, what do you make of this game? What's your prediction? Slovakia, Spain. I I think it's going to be a nil-nil. Oh, boy. Well, that's not good for Spain because they have to rely on the other game, right? Yeah. And the the other game I have not a clue about. Well, Robert Lewandowski probably thinking to himself, I can score here and I can score multiple times. What do you think? I mean, Sweden is a good team, but I don't know. Like, you give Lewandowski an inch, you'll take a mile. I know it's not just about Lewandowski, but, you know, let's see. Sweden, Sweden have won nine of their last 11 games against Poland including each of the last five. In fact, the last Polish victory dates back to a friendly back in 1991. So history favors Sweden. Do you favor Sweden? So one of the interesting things throughout this tournament is the the stats for Poland in terms of actually getting the ball to Lewandowski, especially in that first game. Yeah. Quite underwhelming. He's only kind of getting about a third of the passes, I think, or two thirds of the passes. That he needed a tremendous well. header to make a goal. Like he made that out of nothing because that wasn't an easy header. Right. Yeah, and you know, it feels like lazy, lazy kind of reporting, lazy punditry, whatever you want to call it, to just say, oh, but they don't have much beyond Lewandowski because they I do. Know. I said that last time. <laughs> but they've, I, but it's not wrong because whatever they do have, it's not. Enough. It's not being used. It's all being used in service to let's get the ball to Lewandowski, which is a high risk strategy because if he has an off day in front of goal, or if you just can't get the passes right, or if Sweden defend well, then um, it won't. You know, it won't. It won't pay off. I mean, and in the end, he only needs one opportunity. So you kind of have to kind of bake in exactly. I think Poland will score one goal. Um, it's the same with Ronaldo in Portugal. Well. You, you, it's like you said, like he doesn't show up in a game, like but all he needs is that one second. 
And that's Lewandowski. All he needs is that one time. But if you're exactly. a betting man right now or a betting person and you're trying to uh, put some money on this, I know Jimmy isn't here, but listen, just so you know, uh, Poland is actually going on a five-match winless streak. It's their longest since 2018. That was six games. So even before Euro 2020, they're not winning. They're not winning at all. Like you know, the other thing, by the way, is to know about this game, James Benji, is that none of the previous 26 games between Sweden and Poland have uh, ended goalless. So there will be goals. Well, that doesn't make sense to what I feel about this game, which is that... I, I, Another nil-nil? You had it? Oh, what? No, I, I mean, I just, it doesn't feel like, maybe this is, again, this is me being a lazy Western European. It does not feel like an exciting fixture, does it? I'm not like... But it can be one, nothing. Poland. It can be one, nothing. A boring one, nothing, right? I mean, I've got it, I've got it as, as one. I, I quite... One all? You have it as one all? Yeah, I quite like them there. I mean, Isaac is looks looks the real deal. Um, the yeah, Isaac is right. Yeah, is okay. They're so they're so old that I feel like they've just seen every tournament scenario and know exactly how to deal with it, and they know absolutely how to get to the quarterfinals. Well, <laughs> if it is a one-all, then it's as is. Sweden, yeah. Sweden go through. Slovakia runner-up, and adios, España. You're done, right? No, Spain would then also go through, wouldn't they, on goal difference? Oh, that's right, because they get a point and they have the goal difference. That's yeah, right. Oh, that's so confusing. So oh, well, then Spain. Oh, then this is exactly what's going to happen tomorrow then. We're going to see two cross. But, but, but then it's all, you know, one Poland goal completely swings it. Yeah. You know, then I'm, I'm, I'm a bit torn between going for the Poland win. It's been a little bit underwhelming this tournament, but they need it. They need it a lot more than Sweden need it. So... Yeah, because the key is the key is Ukraine, right? They're 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 three points, but they have minus one goal difference. Yeah. So I now I'm I'm coming. I'm changing my mind. I'm going to go two one Poland. <gasps> I just believe in Robert Lewandowski. I'm sticking to my previous nil nil Slovakia. Spain. That gives them four points. That gives Poland four, Slovakia four, Sweden four, Spain three, Spain out. So Spain done. Slovakia gets a third spot. I think it's going to happen. Maybe. Right. Hey, listen, anything is possible, my friend. Anything well, is, is possible. That's the one thing that's not supposed to be possible, isn't it? That a good, you know, a big team doesn't get out of the Euros. Well, it, listen, it, the proof is in the pudding. I haven't seen anything from Spain that makes me think you belong in the round of 16. That's mm. really it. I mean, at least Denmark have shown us that they belong in the round of 16, right? Uh, regardless of the emotional mountain that they had to climb. Spain tactically haven't shown us anything like it's been really pitiful you know carnage give me the absolute like marco's front page if spain go out with three draws yeah scored. Oh, oh, yeah a lot of us saw this coming though especially when you just bring uh two people and you don't bring yago aspas what's wrong with you oh my god unbelievable unbelievable all right well that's our show Everybody, thank you so much, James Bench. Before you leave, any final thoughts on anything uh, before you go? He's thinking. Um, you know, I, I actually watched um, a, a LinkedIn video. Never watch videos on LinkedIn. And it said to it said like these are the quest, the final thoughts you should have in a job interview. Okay, what is it? Well, the one that I really liked was um, wait. And the it, final thoughts in a job interview. 
If you're being interviewed? Yeah, you know when people say, and do you have any questions for oh, me? Oh, oh, okay, I got you. Yeah. So one of the good ones I really liked was, you know, there's the, it's where will you be looking for me to improve when I join your company? <laughs> I wish so- I'd dropped that one on, on Igor and Addy and all our bosses. I mean, clearly I didn't need to, but I wish I'd dropped them on that just to... I'm, I'm so going to use that. <laughs> where Where is my desk going to be? The third or the fourth floor? <laughs> exactly. I like it. Well, everybody, please, please try that in a job interview and tell us how it went. I would love to know it. Do it. All right. James Benjo on Twitter. Diego Lasso Pot on Twitter. LMH Chegaray. James Benjo, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you. Everybody, I want to thank James Bench for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Que Golazo Pod. Also, listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. We're on YouTube. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Que Golazo. We're on CBS Sports, your CBS Sports app as well. Stay with us. So much more. Aside from Euro 2020, the United States Women's National Team roster for the Olympics is coming out very soon. We're going to have a great episode with our own Lisa Roman, as well as some guests talking about the roster of Vladko Andonovsky. So much more to come. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Have a great, great rest of your day. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.